Welcome into episode four of the Kentucky Round Ball Roundup. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Happy to be joined once again by Zach Gagan of also Kentucky Sports Radio for your, you know, it's officially basketball season. So we want to bring you the the most jam-packed, just action-packed basketball podcast you will find to preview the Kentucky men's basketball team, the Kentucky women's basketball team, and hell, we might even toss in a little bit of NBA talk there at the end. So we have plenty to discuss. Zach, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. It's been a good day. Basketball starts tomorrow. We are recording Tuesday. Good times in the in the in or in the air. Yeah, we usually Christmas tidings. We usually record Fridays, but with, you know, with, with, I mean, this is the day before it's like, it's like Christmas Eve, you know, mm-hmm. for us, how much we love basketball season. This is, I mean, this is the day before Christmas for us. This so is like we, Thanksgiving Eve Eve. Yeah. But also it's like Christmas and Thanksgiving combined for the two of us. We are diehard basketball fans. We are thrilled for basketball season to be here. We both have games to discuss with the Kentucky men's team playing Moorhead State Wednesday evening. And then the Kentucky women's team will also be playing uh, Wednesday afternoon. They will be taking on Mur- uh, Murray State. So plenty to talk about. We are so excited about it. Um, so we're going to kind of use this as a as a preview of sorts for the Moorhead State and Murray State matchups, but also talk about the last week and kind of, uh, you know, a, a week in review of Big Blue Madness, some injury updates, the week, you know, uh, you know, a massive scheduling update with this bluegrass showcase that's going on with with the Kentucky team. So plenty to discuss. We are absolutely thrilled about it. Zach, I'm going to ask you, where do you want to start this thing off? Ooh, where do I want to start? Let's let's start with the uh, the hot topics, and uh, we'll move into men's basketball. And let's immediately talk about Detroit Mercy getting the boot, bingo, from the Bluegrass Showcase, as it has been dubbed. So KSR's no own, so KSR's own Matt Jones heard Who? some rumbling. You know, our our you know our boss here at that KSR, guy. he reported late last night that there were rumblings that one team that was set to take on Kentucky this weekend was uh, going to be forced to pull out of the event due to COVID reasonings. Um, and then within like an hour later, we found out that it was Detroit mercy. And it makes sense because if you listen to Calipari's pregame uh, press conference, he said, as of right now, the three teams that were set to play, they have all kind of gotten their, boxes checked and they're all okay to go and he said um but i am gonna text brad back right after this because they tested last night and they're also uh they're supposed to get their results back today so it was hmm. very much it was very you much think like, he knew uh well here's the interesting part they were 15 minutes late for this press conference and that never happens cal is yeah. cal is Cal is always five minutes late. He's the king of being five minutes late, but mm-hmm. not a second more. He he's all, he's very punctual about his five minute tardiness. So when when it, we kind of got to that ten minute mark, we were like, ah, okay, we'll What's chalk happening? this up to we'll chalk this up to being you know first first game 
scheduling jitters, you know, whatever the, whatever the case is. But when we started getting to that 15, 20 minute range, we were like, something ain't right here. And he said, when he came back, they said that they had a team meeting about something and then it wasn't, but six hours later, I believe that news broke that, that uh, Kentucky would be uh, not looking for a new opponent, but would, would be without an opponent for Friday, uh, Friday evening. So, yeah. So, that, I mean, kind of sucks that we were kind of planning on, I believe what we were talking about this before is going to be four games in six days, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, Tuesday. Yeah. That's so four to seven. That's ridiculous. Well, yeah, though. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So a pretty hectic schedule probably going to end up working out at the end in terms of giving this team a little bit of a break and, and, you know, relaxing them a little bit because yeah. that's, that's a heavy, heavy workload for anybody. It doesn't matter how good the team is. Um, so I, I'm sure they are feeling good about a little much needed break to begin the season. And Detroit Mercy confirmed that they're going to be uh, hoping to postpone this game for later in the season so we're still going to get the the return of Brad Calipari. So all the diehard Brad, the diehard Brad Calipari fans out there, they're still going to get their wish with this reunion. Um, but we also get a little built-in uh, break, much needed Thanksgiving break for for the group. So I it, I think at the end of the day, it is a win for the Kentucky basketball program. And I think that's the the biggest question is is the rescheduling, and that should be because from what I understand is there is there's I don't they're still doing minimum requirements for in terms of games that you have to play so you can be eligible for the tournament so if down the road i mean they have a couple days built in for stuff like this right or the the women's team does i'm sure the men's team is yeah but i think that's more so the sec built building in sec games but you'd have to figure that if they had to fit something in like that because if let's say kentucky's like a game or two away from missing this requirement which they might just get rid of altogether if things continue to go on the path that they are yeah, I I think they'll find a way to fit it in somehow, some way. If it's a Sunday afternoon at four p.m., if they have to, that'll be great. It, it, it it'll be a it'll be a last second, you know, maybe maybe Sorry to, to memorial. Clo- maybe to close out the season, you know, a, a little Brad Calipari reunion tour. I think that'd be a cool way to end the year if if need be. So we'll see. Not a great start in terms of the the optics of the college basketball season, considering mm-hmm. I think that the latest tally was 33 teams are now mm-hmm. postponed slash on pause slash awaiting test results, whatever the case is. Big, so big programs too. Not the big best programs. start. Duke's Duke's opening season game got pushed back to Saturday. Um, Tennessee's got just delayed Tennessee's, again. Tennessee's out for two weeks for their stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it's... UConn uh, women's basketball is out, too. They were going to play Louisville. That was going to be a top-five matchup to yeah. open the season, and that's done. Yeah, so there are some logistic questions about how this is going to unfold, and I, for one, am going to be grateful for every single game that we get to see. I am very... I'm getting that, that makes point. me that makes me 10 times more excited for tomorrow's matchup against, uh, against Moorhead state. I don't know about you. No, it does. Cause I, I'm, I'm kind of in that same boat where I'm, I think each game we get at this point is going to be a blessing and I'm going to, I'm going to embrace every second that I'm at Memorial tomorrow. Cause I, I don't know how many more times I might be able to do it. I'm just going to hope that it keeps, it seems like Kentucky seems to be the program that at least knows what they're doing in terms of this. I don't know how, so what's the deal? Like, did, was Detroit down here? How long had they been down here? Were they here for a couple? They of are years? not. They are not here. They were not here. They, they hadn't even they, come down. 
they said they're not even traveling down. Yeah, I think gotcha. they're – well, Calipari said yesterday that he is going to try to do everything day of. He's going to try to – he said, I'm going to – if we're flying in, if we have to fly to Florida or whatever, we're going to fly in morning of the game. We're going to check into it. We're going to have a bus that's already down there that we that's clean, sanitized, clean, you know, t- uh, tested bus driver make sure there's no possibility of, of anything goofy happening with that from the pickups from the airport to the, to the hotel. They're going to stay in a hotel room until like two hours before tip off. They're going to go to, they're going to go straight to the arena. They're not even going to like get settled in. They're just going to go warm up, play the game and they're going to get the hell out of there. They Cal does not want to have any overnights. They, he doesn't want to overstay any welcome for you know for any game. It doesn't matter if it's Detroit Mercy or if it or if it's Kansas in the Champions Classic. Yeah. He wants to get in and get out of these events, get in and get out of these games. And uh, every time we talk to him, he says the gold bubble. You know, this is the gold standard of bubbles that that we have the safest place on planet Earth. There's no way that you can catch you know COVID with the way our setup is right now. It's a closed bubble. Nobody can get in. The only time it's going to open up is when these games start. So um, Cal seemed very confident in, in his own team and how he's handling it, but it's a 50, 50 equation. Cal can do anything that he wants and everything can work out just fine on Kentucky's end. But Mm -hmm. as we saw, it's the the other team is the one that you really have to worry about in this case. And we already saw that it it only took one and, and we have to wonder how less game. How are these other programs get like, why are they not monitoring? Is it, am I crazy to think that they should be monitoring these kids a little bit more to make sure that they aren't going out and potentially. Well, did you see, well, do you see the Tennessee program? They got their football game postponed. They got a two full weeks of men's basketball postponed and the women's team got postponed on their end too, where it's just like, dude, what the hell is happening yeah. in Tennessee right now? Like, I mean, like, you it, don't have to have the gold standard of bubbles. Like Cal says, you don't even need something like that. You just need to be, you know, somewhat aware of what's going on. You know, you don't have to sit inside all day long to, to not avoid or to not catch it. So that's just seems yeah. weird how so many of these programs are doing that. It just, it's got to fall on somebody kids or yeah. the people watching over them. But I guess Kentucky makes a little bit more sense. Cause you know, of just how, hawked they are from the start it probably is kind of difficult just to go out and go out and party and into the public i would imagine they're not doing any of that yeah yeah so i I, i'm very intrigued to see how this unfolds um like i said i'm going to be very grateful for tomorrow's game it's going to be a lot of fun things are going to look way different i got credentialed very very grateful to uh, get credentialed to this game i don't know what that's going to look like they say the the game day the game day you know, day-to-day operations is going to be completely different than anything we've ever experienced for, you know, ticketed people, people that are going to be watching the games, you know, sitting in the stands or media or even the people, you know, watching the game, you know, the, the coaching staff, the the bench is going to look completely different. You know, there's like, I, I believe like Rob Harris, the strength coach at UK, he's not even allowed to be on the bench because there's, there's a certain number of people that, I mean, it's mm-hmm. everything is just complete mass chaos right now where they're just trying to make it work. Um, and well, I know, it, uh, I don't know if you guys doing this, but I know some places are going to do like how Vandy has their court set up with the benches on this uh, mm-hmm. baselines instead of the sidelines. I've heard that some other programs are going to try and do that just to avoid 
I mean, you know, they're going to be, the players are going to be touching, but to avoid the coaches and all that being right next to each other. So it'll have those type of vibes and it'll, it'll definitely look weird. Yeah. Especially for TV. It's going to be something that I think we're all going to remember. I mean, we're going to remember this year for the rest of our lives, no matter the case, just because of how crazy everything has been. But this basketball season, I have a feeling we're all going to be like, man, do you remember when we saw the 2020 college basketball, the 2020 Kentucky basketball team and how that season begun and just how just how crazy it was and, and how hard it was to get to that point of that opening tip and how like grateful we were that we actually got that point and wish we knew like how the end of the season was going to look and how we don't, if there is going to be an end of the season, there, there are just so many questions that we all still have right now that I think it's just going to be, take it one day at a time, one game at a time. Like Calipari says, he said, um, you know, we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know, you know, I'm only, I can only control what I can control, but at that point, you know, at, at some point, how you know things are going to unfold the way they are and we'll just have to hope for the best and we'll we'll see how it goes but um let, let's kind of transition a little bit to the actual games themselves and what we're kind of hoping for because Calipari had a quote yesterday that kind of had everybody scratching their head a little bit so the entire yeah, summer that's made me scratch so, my head too I think it was definitely a let me get ahead of this so so Calipari spent the entire summer I mean, literally the, the time his team first got on campus for their workouts early in the summer, I believe it was like June 25th, something like that. From the time they first got on campus all the way through to like August when preseason stuff started into September, he said, this is a team we have to play. This could be one of my best teams of all time. They are incredible. They're incredible. They're incredible. They're incredible. I love this team. We got to coach them. This has, this team has a chance to be like, you know, one of my three best ever. He could not have hyped this team up enough. You know, he, uh, you know, every single time, every single opportunity he had the chance to, he was saying this team is going to be something special. And then the first preseason media press conference that he had, to preview the Moorhead State game, we're playing Moorhead State. Let's remember that. He says, perennial power. Yeah. He says, yeah, I'm worried that we're going to start the season 0-6. <laughs> he said, this is the worst. Sc-. He said, Sunday we had the worst scrimmage that we've ever had, that I've ever had since I've been a head coach at Kentucky. This is the worst they've ever looked in my entire existence. I'm worried that we're going to start the season 0-6. When he said that, you could kind of see a collective eye roll from the entire, like, everybody. That, there was, like, 55 people on that Zoom call from, like, I mean, people up in New York, people. I mean, it, it was a, a packed Zoom call. Everybody was like, dude, the worst the worst scrimmage you've ever seen. We're talking the same team, that, that the same coach that coached that Nerland's Noel team that went to the NIT. This, you know, the beginning of that 2013-14 team with Julius Randle when they were absolutely garbage to start the year, that they were supposed to go 40-0. and You're telling me that those teams, you know, the Scalabissier team, you're telling me that they didn't have any worse scrimmages than what we saw on Sunday. I don't buy it. Yeah, he's trying to get ahead of – whatever he thinks is might happen in these first few games if i don't know i honestly don't know why he said any of that he's like it's not even like he's playing chess or checkers it's like he's playing like tic-tac-toe or something he's playing a completely different game that no one's even heard of before so i don't know why he said any of that i definitely think it was just to try and get ahead of whatever you know deficiencies this team might have in the first few games 
Well, speaking of. of speaking of deficiencies, Keon Brooks is going to be a deficiency. They he is going to be out for at least the first week. I believe it's a calf injury. If a mystery, cow, yeah, they they always say it's a leg injury. You know, it's like oh. Uh, what was the injury last year? It was, oh, it was Emmanuel Quickly during a post-game press conference. Everybody was like, uh, Emmanuel Quickly was missing this game. Do you know what the issue is? Uh, and Cal just said, leg. <laughs> it's, a, it's a leg. Yeah, it's it's a body issue. He's he's physically in pain. The upper half. Like, ah, oh, okay. That helps. That definitely helps the case. So he has a lower extremity injury. I think the I think it's a calf. I think he said in passing that it was a calf, or maybe even Keon said in a in a press conference that that it was a calf. Somehow that the, somehow we found out that it was a calf, but that's the only time they ever mentioned it. So uh, I believe Cal said that he is going to be day to day after this week. That he he's kind of officially declared him out for these two games, but then from there they're going to see how it goes, um, which kind of confuses me because was he not running? full court five on five during pro day and a little bit during big blue madness. And did he not have that like alley-oop toss to him where he did a just crank back baseline alley-oop slam that everyone was like, Oh, well, Keon looks pretty healthy right now. Doesn't look like a guy that uh, is in need of, of any serious medical attention considering he's think, been uh, playing with the fives. Do you think maybe they're lying and he has coded? I, Ooh, I, there's no way. I mean, well, they, he's been playing with the team. I mean, yeah, I, I guess you're right. Yeah, I don't think that would be that would yeah, be very that was, smart that's on stupid. There. Sorry, yeah, yeah. that was ridiculous. <laughs> I thought it was Galaxy yeah. Brain there for a second. <laughs> yeah, that, that didn't make much sense. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, something is weird about that. I mean, he was he looked really good. I mean, how good you can look in that stupid scrimmage. I mean, it was we, we can talk about that here in a minute. It was like the worst scrimmage we've ever stupid it was. We've ever seen in existence. It wasn't even a scrimmage. It was literally them running up and down a court and shooting half court shots. It was just Yeah. Nick Rosh said it best. It was the women were shooting half court shots and the men were dunking. Yeah. That that was the uh that was all Big Blue Madness was if you missed it. The intros yes. were cool. I love the intros. Big, big. You want to talk the about intros. the intros real quick, or Big Blue Madness? Let's do it. I liked the how the women started with the the player, the parent the intros. intros. I thought awesome. that was awesome. Mm-hmm. The, this is such. It, we've talked about how much of a fun group this is going to be, and you know all, all that stuff. And we kind of really got to see that in the player intros. I mean, they built it up. It was kind of a, a pretty big letdown on our part because they built it up so well with the, Oh man, this, uh, you know, the, the player intros were so awesome. They got the dancing out of the way. That part was cool. They mm-hmm. got the, the, they got the three point contest down. That was awesome. Yeah. Those and, fun. you know, they, they built up, the, you know, they built everything up and it's like, okay, we finally get, we finally get to see him in action. This is going to be awesome. And then they take the court and it's like behind the back passes and between the legs and, you know, stupid half court shots. Yeah. And it was like, Oh, okay, well, this is a waste of our time. That's great. And, and Cal and LZ weren't even, they didn't care. No. <laughs> they didn't care one bit. They were like, just Cal, do whatever the hell you want. Yeah. Cal even, they were talking like, the whole time. Yeah. Cal was like, uh, was like, just, Cal was He's like, I just don't want you. Just don't get hurt. Like, all yeah. I care about is just don't get hurt. And that's probably why they didn't take it all seriously. Because, Absolutely. and I, I think Cal even said today, I believe, um, yeah, today he he talked to the well, he talked to them today, and we can also talk about the blatant lie that UK had about the pre-recording thing. Yeah, um, which I have a very funny story to tell you about that, which you you will very much enjoy. Um, okay. So Cal 
said today in the the luncheon, the preseason luncheon, where he mm-hmm. she it was it was um, Cal talked to the I don't even remember what the luncheon is for. It's for some group for old I, people. I can, yeah, that's yeah, that's <laughs> that's that's what it, exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said that it's a he's been doing every week a 40 minute full game, bring on the officials like a, a real life game situation scrimmage. So that kind of took away the need for that the, game. The, yeah. the, you know, I, I kind of thought they're not getting a blue white scrimmage. They're not getting a Georgetown college exhibition, but on the other end, they're also getting, high quality um, competitive basketball with real refs. Cal said that it's like a real life game day there. They wake up and they go through what it would, you know, going to Rupp arena, doing the shoot around, you know, it, they, they, he said it's, it's a timed exactly the way a real, a real game will, will be here in the next, you know, n- this week and then beyond. So well, if you think it makes, about it, it, it makes a lot more sense. Yeah. And if you think like, if they don't have any of these exhibition and preseason opportunities, like a blue white game, even as something as, you know, as simple and meaningless as the blue white game, that's still film that other teams can look at. And, you know, if the only film that another team was going to have was, you know, some plays that they ran during this uh, big Bumanda scrimmage, they were probably just like, let's just not show that anybody, anything, especially if they're doing all these hidden secret games and stuff like that, where they're just playing like through that, you know, don't don't give anyone a reason to, you know, is, as minute as that might sound and petty, everybody why not? Looking, everybody's going to be looking for a competitive advantage yeah. this year. And that would be your one. So that would, that would be one. So let me tell you this fantastic story that you're going to absolutely love. Slash hate. Um, Ooh, okay. So it, it's, it, it was very frustrating on my part. So Tom Hart, Wednesday of last week. Do you remember what he tweets on Wednesday? Tom Hart on Wednesday. He's talking about watching practice. Was that right? Bing, bingo. Yeah. It was something that everybody and their mother saw. Tom Hart tweets out a video of uh, who, who did he tweet? Oh, it was Jacob Toppin. It was, a, it was the dunk contest. Yeah. Big Blue Madness. He posted a video of Jacob Toppin dunking the basketball and said, hey, I know it's Wednesday, and I know that Big Blue Madness isn't technically until Friday, but we're actually recording it live, live right now. Surprise, we're pre-recording this thing. He has it up. Everybody sees it. Like, it gets retweeted and shared to all the national people. Like, it's very well known that this is happening on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that gets deleted very quickly, apparently. Unbeknownst to me. I didn't see me, that. I, 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 I saw no that where he was talking about practice. I didn't realize that he said all that stuff, though. I thought it was, yeah. So, I, I guess the video was deleted because... Very okay. Let, let me just break down. How, Was it a dunk this, from the actual Big Blue Madness? From Big Blue Madness. So we have. So on doing, Friday. Tom? So on Friday, I believe Friday morning, we talked to Devin Askew for our weekly pre, yeah. uh, you, you know, preseason media opportunities to you know preview these teams. So we're talking to Devin Askew. It's the morning before Big Blue Madness. The morning everybody's before. Asked, Everybody's asking him about, oh, you know, what's it like to go up against Davion Mintz? What are you learning from him? You know, asking all the, you know, softball questions, no big deal. So I was going to toss a softball question up myself. And I say, hey, Devin, um, 
I know a lot of the preseason. Uh, I know a lot of the Big Blue Madness stuff was pre-recorded and 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 all that. But um, you know, what are you kind of hoping to show tonight to the fan base to get them excited about your edition? What are you What are you hoping for uh, with to to show with Big Blue Madness tonight? He looks at me dead in the eye through Zoom and he goes, "I wouldn't know. Big Blue Madness isn't until tonight." <laughs> and I say, and I, I kind of look at him, and I'm like. Like, wait. like I, this, I, I have this half second in my head where I'm like, bro, did I saw that like, wait, am I wrong? Am I wrong? It's like, I saw that video Tom Hart put out. And that's when I started refer. I started re like looking on Tom Hart's Twitter. Oh, no. didn't see the video. And I'm like, did I just dream that? <laughs> oh my like, did God. I, did I dream seeing that video in my head? Am I, am I going crazy right now? Because the way he looked at me, he was like, you like, you, like you are the idiot. Yeah. He's like, Big Blue Madness is tonight. What are you talking about? I was like. He had you questioning every life decision you'd dude, ever made. I was right so there. confused. I had no idea what to. I, like, was like, maybe he's right. I was like, I'm, I was like, maybe, maybe you are right. And, and I said, I, I said something like, oh, uh, well, uh, yeah, I thought I saw it was pre-recorded somewhere. Maybe I'm mistaken. Um, okay, well, then, uh, like, are you going to dance tonight? Like, what are you kind of hoping to show? And he was like. Uh, I don't know. I think I'm going to just going to keep it simple. Might wave or something and like just left it. That Like that's all he said. Did he I was wave? like, I don't remember his intro. I don't either. But I was like, A, this dude does not want to talk about Big Blue Madness. And B, I am losing my mind. <laughs> something is going off here. None of this makes any sense in my head. And so I'm sitting there thinking the rest of the media opportunity, like, you know, he's answering all these other questions and I'm sitting there thinking, Dude, this video is out there somewhere. I know somebody tweeted. I'm looking up Tom, like Google searching Tom Hart, Jacob Toppin dunk video, Big Blue Madness. Pre, like I'm looking up everything and I can't find this tweet anywhere. And I'm like, maybe I am going crazy. Maybe I am an idiot. I don't know. In front of 55 anymore. other media members. Oh, and and it's shared onto the Kentucky men's basketball Twitter yeah. account, which has like 800,000 people. So mm -hmm. 800,000 people think I'm the biggest moron on planet Earth. because well, of, for, for a little bit. For a little yeah. bit, because you were you were accurate. But well, what, what was funny is at the end of at the end of the Zoom recording, Eric Lindsay, who is the you know UK SID media relations guy, mm -hmm. he goes, "Hey, sorry guys, we put we kind of put Devin in a in a spot in a crappy spot right now. We didn't let you guys know in advance that this was supposed to be kind of hush hush. That's why Tom Hart deleted his." tweet about it it was something that was supposed to be a little bit quiet we want to keep the you know keep the suspense up on on our mm. end it was something that i think the sec network specifically asked for it to be a um you know a, a hush hush thing because they wanted to give the feel that it is happening live to kind of mm -hmm. give the fans that are the fans that are missing out on the live experience they wanted to get that live experience from home at, in, in the comfort of their own home on on their couches so i understand the gesture but holy hell, it was failed just miserably on so many different accounts with Tom Hart tweeting it out, my stupid ass looking in front of 800,000 people. And I, and I checked, I was like, I bet they edit that out. I bet they edit that out on the, the tweet. Nope. No, I look like, <laughs> left it in. so I look, so if you go Perfect. back and look, I look like, I look like the biggest idiot asking a dude, but see hey, now you look smart. Yeah. See, no one's, no one's watched it now. So you still, yeah, I'm sorry, buddy. 
Well, and then Calipari ended up giving the secret away uh, during the event. He said during the interview, he said something on the lines of, um, in tonight's NBA draft, I'm really hoping that we get <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And it was two days before, you know, yeah. the, the draft had already happened two days in advance. So it, it all worked out just fine. Well, but, what I thought was funny was that wow. that the volleyball game beforehand, the Georgia-Florida game, I yeah. thought it was funny that because we were doing the live blog, you had people like, gosh, I hate, I hate, they're, they're delaying Big Blue Madness. And I was like, do you really think that uh, that all these kids are sitting around waiting for this volleyball game in Florida to finish so they can start Big Blue Madness? It, it was like 9.45, I think, by the time yeah. it started. <laughs> and, uh, At that point, Tyler, it was like, it was like okay, this is very obvious. This is not a lot. Tyler on the live blog would keep like – pretending what was actually happening she was like oh guess cal's gonna have to send him through the layup line again (laughs) can you imagine a group of of like 18 19 20 year old kids just doing a layup line over and over and over again trying to stay warm sorry the volleyball game in in florida they're in the fourth set still yeah that was a little ridiculous so yes surprise if you're listening to this and weren't aware to at this point that big will madness was pre-recorded and um you know not a live event that we're used to seeing i'm sorry to spoil that for you but if i had to go through the embarrassment of that in front of in front of devin askew and the rest of the kentucky basketball world then i guess everybody has to share that embarrassment with me and look i'll be the one to say it big blue madness for the most part once you if you do it once when you go to it live it's fun but after once you know it's just it's more of a novelty type thing and especially this year proved it it's for recruits. It yep. last year it's to look Cade, cool. It, Cade Cunningham and Paolo Bancaro were both there in person. Uh, they both silently committed, or like were on the. They were telling people that they were committing to Kentucky on that visit because it went so well and because they had such a good time. And they did fall in love with Calipari's speech. And you know, it, it, it's for people like those guys. Yeah. Where part of the allure know, is it being live? That's you want part to, of the allure you want to experience that with Calipari's big speech and all that. It, it usually it's, it's, it's as popular as it is for a reason. And that's because it helps reel in the five-star recruits that we see take the floor every single year. It didn't get those two individual recruits, but I think Terrence Clark was there. I think Lance Ware was also there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there might've been a, a couple other high profile kids that, aren't committed but may still commit I, I can't remember the exact guest list but it was a very prominent list that i know for certain lance Ware and terrence clark were both there so yeah. it worked and for it, something if you have to and if you think if there were fans there they would have tried much harder yeah. like it may not have been an actual scrimmage but if this was a regular year and they even if they just you know broadcasted it uh, and just did like 15 percent capacity even for that it would have been more exciting and more thrilling so yeah. it was just a circumstance thing, whatever. It's Big Blue Madness. The season yeah. starts tomorrow, so that's really when we'll get to learn. So, well, actually, let's kind of talk about Keon for just one more second before we switch over. What do you, what do you, what do you think this is going to do for these first two games? Anything? Or do you think it's I more, think... this is more of a let the other guys, let's, let's try and get Dante Allen some run. Let's just hold Keon out for right now. I think it's going to solidify Isaiah Jackson's starting spot in the starting lineup for good. Mm-hmm. Sorry. So, Sue me. so we're going, so. so we're going with Clark, Boston, Sar, Jackson, Askew, Askew still. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what, that's what uh, Olivier Sar said Monday afternoon 
that the starting lineup right now is Devin Askew, BJ Boston, Terrence Clark, Isaiah Jackson, and Olivier Saar. So if things go very, very well and Isaiah Jackson looks the part of what everybody's hyping him up to be and they're like the chemistry is there and they're meshing well, I personally don't know why you would pull him out in favor of Keon. I mean, Mm-hmm. Keon had a fantastic role last year off the bench where he was, you know, that six man, that strong six man. And I get it. If you're Calipari, you, you know, he very well may change up the lineup and, and get Brooks back in there. Even if Isaiah Jackson looks like freaking Carl Malone out there. I don't know. I mean, he could, he could look as good as he, as he wants and Cal might still readjust the lineup in favor of uh, Keon just because he is the lone returnee, you know, kind of he, we he fought, he fought through a lot time. this year he's he's what the fifth best player if we're being realistic he needs to be if kentucky wants to be yeah. as good as they should be for keon fourth having to be the fifth best player you know we all love keon as a sophomore guy but i don't think it's going to be and like you were saying jackson this is this is kind of going to be his tryout essentially like if he's if he can dominate these first two games, there's probably no reason that he'll lose that starting role. But if he does iffy, you know, that's gonna that's gonna change the dynamic of things a lot just because we do it seems like we're we're depending a little bit on Isaiah Jackson here to kind of really blossom and become this un uh, unheard of recruit that kind of pops up and you know does this, takes the Shea route if you want to. And I will say uh, Jonathan Gavoni of ESPN put out his first 2021 mock draft mm-hmm. and guess who's in the first round Isaiah, Isaiah Jackson. Jackson. So yeah. he's a dude that, I mean, and this is off it, like no information videos. It's very interesting. That's, how bu- that's it's all that's, word of mouth. That's buzz. That's what he has heard in practice. It's what he is him talking to the scouts that were at, UK pro day. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff that went into, you know, went into that mock draft. And if he's telling you that, that, that Isaiah Jackson is getting first round buzz right now before they, that, before he's even played a game. That's impressive. I think you, I think you should probably believe him to an extent. I mean, yeah. I, I do. I think you're absolutely so, correct. They wouldn't just be blowing that smoke like that. I don't think. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. Well, um, okay, well, before we move on out of the men's basketball talk, give me your – what is the one thing – give me a prediction, a score prediction for tomorrow night for Kentucky versus Moorhead State. Okay. And give me the one thing that you need to see out of Kentucky to, to be satisfied with their performance. Well, so before I answer you, let me just double check something here. So Brandon Ramsey, one of our fellow KSR writers, um, talked about the leading scorer and return or rebounder for Moorhead State tore his ACL in practice today. Did you see that? Oh, wow. Tyjon Claude. This is what wow. Brandon. This is what uh, Brandon has said. So I'm. I'll go up. So if if that guy's out, let's just go ahead and say UK wins this game by in a in a. <laughs> whatever the spread is is there a spread for this game i'm sure it's 20 20 something i would imagine 22 I would, yeah i would hit that over so that's uh, i would just anticipate that they blow this team out of the water especially if their best player actually did tear his acl today so that would be terrible terrible news for them and especially for these next few games going forward that's horrendous time yeah. um but so and what was your second second part of your question there what is the one thing that you need to see from this team to make you go ah satisfied with that performance not just 
oh, we beat them by a hundred. What is a specific thing that you want to see out of this out of this group to make you feel confident going into the Richmond game? Who Richmond is a pretty freaking good, good basketball team. Mm-hmm. So that makes you go into that Richmond game going, yeah, we're going to beat them. If I had to, if I had to pick a stat, I would say I'd love to stay under ten turnovers. Ooh, okay. That like would that. be rough with a lot of freshmen. I think that would be a very big tell of kind of where they're at right now. Um, and then I would just like to see uh, how in control Terrence and BJ are compared to each other. Because I feel yeah. like we all know that BJ is probably going to be the more calm, uh, collective score, and Terrence will be the bomber of sorts if you want the Malik Monk type. So I'm very just interested to see how they kind of uh, – make their little college debuts because they're going to be given the keys very early. Um, and uh, there's the Olivier, sorry, the Olivier Sar hype feels like it continues to grow a little bit as well, slowly and, and surely. So I'm very interested to see if he's third team, all ACC good, or if he's actually about to be a top 20 player, like ESPN said something yesterday or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, so those, are, those are my things that I'm kind of looking for is really, I would just love to see them keep turnovers down and just play play decent sound basketball. That's really all I'm looking for. Yeah. I, I would say I'm, I'm pretty excited to see. Um, I, I know Devin Askew is kind of penciled in as the starter right now, but I, I would like to see one of Askew or uh, Davion Mintz kind of solidify himself as the like, okay, this guy looks like the, okay, he needs to come in and be a spark plug off the bench guy and this other guy is the one that you want from the opening tip to kind of, you know, be the floor general, kind of run, run the, sh- run the show there for the majority of the time. I'd like, I'd like for one of them to kind of separate him himself in the, the debut. And I, I'm, I think that's more going to come against Richmond, a stronger mm-hmm. opponent. And, you know, I, but I, you know, there's still something positive to take away from these games. Like I remember, Absolutely. I remember last year, like Nick Richards in the first couple, like it, like it took like two, like four or five games into the season where Nick Richards was constantly putting up that 15 and eight, 20 and seven type numbers. And everybody was like, oh, well, they're just, you know, he's just playing EKU. Oh, he's just playing, you know, whatever. And then as the season progresses, he stays on that same path and he sticks with that success. And we've also seen, you know, the year before Nick Richards, I think he had 25 and 15 against some just absolute God awful team. And he did not look the part for the rest of the year. So there, but I think for the most part, you can still kind of tell, okay, this is the guy versus this guy. And I, I hope that we could kind of see some one of Devin Askew or Davion Mint separate himself. And then I'd like, you know, a, a Terrence Clark to physically dominate a lesser opponent and, and more I'd say that. I mean, he is an NBA body. He's an NBA speed, NBA athleticism. He should be a guy that could take a game, a, a game like this over. BJ Boston's always going to get his 15 to 20 points, but this could be an opportunity for Terrence Clark to kind of, open himself up to the world and be like, yeah, I'm as good as you guys think I am. And so I would, I would like to see him kind of physically be the guy that we are hyping him up to be as well. Mm -hmm. Well, cool. All right. Well, we will uh, transition this into the Kentucky women's basketball program and what we're kind of excited to see 
um, for you know this season opener, and then I guess just this weekend in general. We'll start with with the Murray State game. What are you? What are your kind of big takeaways and and what you're hoping to see in, in their debut? Um, I really want to see Treasure Hunt. I think that's kind of what everyone's really looking forward to is just kind of see where she's at. Kyra, Coach Kyra Elsey didn't exactly uh, give her a massive vote of confidence. She kind of said that most of the other freshmen are all kind of, you know, working their way along, but uh, that Treasure was kind of specifically having some, some issues of adapting to the, uh, the strength of the college game. So these, these uh, early games against these lesser teams like Murray State, those will be uh, just great starters to get her out on the floor and see uh, what she can do. So really interested to see her. Obviously, Ryan, I really won't talk about Ryan that much because, you know, she's probably going to go out there and score 25 points or more. Um, But the player I've been talking about a lot that I really want to see is Drayana Edwards, uh, the Pac-12 freshman of the year when she was at Utah. Um, Just the hype that she's been getting as this player that can kind of do it all on offense is uh, very tantalizing to to hear about, especially paired alongside Ryan. They're kind of similar uh, heights. Uh, Dre, Dre's a little bit bigger and will play in the post a little bit more, but she can pass, shoot. Um, so those two uh, will be a very cool little uh, matchup to try and play maybe pick and rolls together. That'll be interesting to see if uh, Coach Elsie decides to do that. Then obviously they have Olivia Owens down in the post, uh, the six foot four center. So Kyra said she wants to play inside out more. They really haven't done that in the two years I've been covering them. So it'll actually be interesting to see them maybe go to a post play uh, on like back-to-back possessions and try and work it that way. Um, I think that's, uh, those are really the the couple players I'm very interested to see. Nia Leveretter, the freshman, is also another uh, player to keep an eye on. But there's going to be a lot of minutes spread around in these first few games. So you're going to see a lot of names that you probably haven't heard too much about, like uh, uh, Aaron Toller, the freshman, will probably get a little bit. I would be surprised if Cameron Roach, who's been with the team for two years, but has had a lot of little minor injuries. Um, I think he's been with the team three years, but it's missed the last two yeah. years. So uh, just those type of players getting a little bit of run. It'll be interesting to see how they respond, just actually getting a little bit of playing time after not doing so for a long time. Yeah, I was going to say Olivia uh, Olivia Owens. I'm, I'm excited to see kind of this new brand of basketball for – uh, for them and see how you know how they kind of incorporate her and and, and kind of change their their identity just a little bit. I mean, I know it's, it's not going to change everything dramatically, but just to kind of have that that level of size and and just that new you know that 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 just new little added asset to the program. I, I'm excited to see how they incorporate her. Obviously, Ryan Howard. I mean, you it, it's it's crazy. I was watching the game with my wife or the, I was watching Big Blue Madness with my wife and, you know, she's, she very much enjoys, you know, men's basketball. She watches the NBA college basketball, but I'm, you know, women's basketball hasn't been one of her, you know, top interests. And I, you know, we are watching, watching that event and, uh, and I was like, you know, Ryan Howard, if you want to fall in love with this sport, look at her first. And so I'm kind of excited to see, watch, watch it with my wife and kind of like, Hey, this is, this is what like women's college basketball is like, this is, this is, if you want to fall in love with it, look at, look at her first and foremost. So um, I'm really excited about, you know, the kind of return of her. Can she be that 27? You know, I know she was the 22 ish point per game score last year. Can she be that 25, 26, 27, level point per game score where you know she does kind of solidify herself into the national player of the year race and and you know kind of establish herself as one of you know if not the best college basketball player in america um i think she could get off to a really hot start 
you know, tomorrow night. And then, you know, I, I was really impressed with their three point shooting on, on, you know, during big blue madness. I thought there, there were so many different dynamic pieces that, that could come in and be a spark plug off the bench, even, um, you know, even outside of just the starting lineup. So I, th- those are kind of the three biggest things that I'm looking at and think that, okay, that the, the, if they could, if those three pieces or, you know, assets can get off to a hot start against Murray state. It, it kind of gives me a good, good little, um, you know, feel good thoughts about the season going into it. And I have, uh, uh, concerns that Brian might not, well, not necessarily a concern, but it might not be too much of a surprise if Ryan doesn't score 23 points a game like she did last season, because I don't think she'll necessarily have to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so her numbers might just dip around uh, in general that area, but I would anticipate her shooting percentages take a bit of a little uptick. They were they were good last year, but they weren't spectacular. I think she shot like 45 from the field, 30, 38 or 39 from three, which is still really good from her for her volume. But, you know, if she can get up to 50% from the field, over 40 from three, and she's scoring 22 points a game, I'd be 100% okay Ooh. with that. So I think that's kind of what we're going to be looking for is maybe Ryan – tagging down her because if she wants if she needs to score 30 or 40 like if the team needs her to do that she absolutely will she has no problem with trying to take over a game by herself she will do that if called upon so there will be games where i can see her scoring 40 points and i can see her going under 20 for multiple games in a row and uk still winning so it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they distribute all those just extra minutes and scoring opportunities because they just they have scores that they've multiple scores that they just haven't had in previous years. So that alone yeah. will be good. Yeah, I, I, I really am excited to see just, I mean, there's so many interesting dynamic pieces on this roster, like, you know, like a big, big puzzle piece, you know, a bunch of different puzzle pieces to see how they, okay, which one fits better, you know, with, with given the circumstance, given the talent level, the opposition, you know, whatever they, it, I'm, it, it's a, it's an exciting first year um you know for this this new administration so it it is going to be an exciting first look at them tomorrow night for sure well what's afternoon i guess yeah what's cool about both the men's and the women's teams is it seems like right now they kind of can both go 10 11 deep with this weird versatility in the lineup so uh aside from normal years where you know like oh we've got a post player we've got a point guard you know we've got players from on both men's and women's team that can play there's probably five or six players that can play three or four positions. So that's, that's like a, a, some versatility that you can just toy with so many different lineups and everything. It'll be cool to see how, you know, Cal, who's been doing this for 10 years, how he's going to do that. And then LZ in her first year, how she's going to differ from Mitchell. So just a lot of cool little uh, things to look at and just in general that we haven't really had before. And I want, one thing I want to kind of uh, just say real quick about you talking about, uh, you know, getting into this team this year or with you mm-hmm. and, you know, your wife and all that. Ryan, Ryan is absolutely the player to watch because Ryan doesn't – it's hard to describe how she plays basketball because I feel like it's not a normal way. It's not like a women's game. It's not a men's game. She's, yeah. It's almost – it's too – it's very slow motion, chill, relaxed. Um, she doesn't get sped up. She, she literally works at her own pace. She plays her own style of basketball. So, And she will just as easily pull up from 30 feet as she can get to, you know, make an acrobatic layup with her left hand. So – it's uh, it's gonna be fun. I'm very excited. I very much agree with you. Well, is there anything else on that topic that you would like to address? Let's. Uh, Robin Benton got 
Oh, there we go. Granted, yep. she got her transfer waiver, so that'll be cool. She was one of the premier uh, – uh, steal steal per games leaders in uh, the SEC last year because she she was really or she shot on the high volume I think she only shot like thirty one percent but she in terms of make she was one of the best in the SEC last year so having her will be cool I do have uh, not necessarily some news that I'm gonna share but I wouldn't get too excited about uh, the potential of Jasmine Massingill playing I truly okay. would not I truly would not expect that to happen. Um, for many reasons that I won't get into, but uh, it, it looks like Robin Benton will be the, the one that'll, or the last one that'll, that'll make this team. So even still that puts them at about 11 players, 11, yeah, about 11, 11 deep. So that'll be still insane. It would have been, it would be nice if Massengill, I'm not ruling it out completely. There's still a chance that she could uh, absolutely get the waiver approved, but it's not something I would anticipate right now, which sucks because she's a six foot point guard, legitimately a six foot point guard. So, would have been nice, but that's the last. That's what I'll end uh, women's basketball talk on. Well, that's obviously very exciting. We're looking forward to that as well. Um, well, I guess we will transition this into our last little segment with uh, NBA talk. There's obviously a ton to talk about with that, especially just in the last what four days, three days in particular. Friday with, is when it all started. Friday. When all hell broke loose. So Friday we get we get De'Aaron Fox getting his um, massive, massive, massive payday. Hey. I mean, let's, five let's break, years. Break down the uh, the semantics of it. What do you mean? So like he's it's the five year one hundred sixty three million, but he can get he can go what was it one ninety three point five one ninety five point six I believe one ninety five point six, and all he has to do is make. Uh, one all NBA team. I think he just has to make the third team once. And he's by the time he gets by the time his contract's over, right? Yes. By the time it's so, over, he can hit all these little clauses and stuff like that. And Bam, we'll talk about in a second, has the same deal. So these dudes are about to get real paid. Because I think, so, if, think if, if Darren's will go if he does the get get that max max, it'll go from like thirty four a year to forty million a year. Which is so think about a nice little bonus. Go back to the 2016-17 team watching that roster and thinking, wow, two of these star players are going to be worth $400 million. And one of in, them is not Malik Monk. In four years. And one of them is not Malik Monk. Would you, would you, have believe, would you believe that if I told you mm-hmm. that as a fan nope. in a year later, two nope. years later even? If you said one of them did it, I probably would have believed you. But if you Fox said probably if you one. said two of them and neither were Blake Monk, I would have said you're wrong. Yeah, I mean so. four hundred million dollars between. Yeah. And Bams, I think the money was the exact same as Darren's. By the way, in terms I, well, of one sixty three, and it's the actually rookie, he might go. It's the oh, rookie yeah, yeah, max. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so same, that's same the most. Yeah, they they can only make one sixty three over five years. And then it's the all NBA bump with, uh, you know, 195.6 or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So, and he also gets it if he wins MVP or Depoy, but that might be a little lofty. But he can also hit those uh, contract clauses if he does that. Yeah. So, I mean, Bam was, uh, so he was second team all defense this year. That doesn't count, but mm-hmm. you get what I'm saying. He can get there. They Bam are, will get there. They, He'll make an all NBA team. Absolutely. Yeah. So, very, very well done to them. 
that's just absolutely thrilling on the, on that front. Uh, excited for them, but that's not the only bit of not even close. BBNBA news. I mean, we free agency started Friday, and it has been just absolute chaos ever since then. I mean, just news after news after news after news. Um, I mean, Enos Cantor traded from the Celtics to Portland. Back to Portland. Um, um, back to Portland for a second. I mean, that was where he had arguably his best run of his NBA career. Made you know, was was Amazing. a was a was a he was a legitimate you know difference maker in the playoffs for Portland back in 2018. It was two years ago. Two, yeah, two, two, two so seasons. So he's back to his home, as he tweeted out afterward. Mm-hmm. Um, Winning Gabriel just signs with the New Orleans Pelicans. He'll join. That's cool. Uh, Eric Bledsoe, who was traded in a massive four-team deal uh, to New Orleans. So he will be teaming up there. As part of that deal, Darius Miller is heading to OKC, where he will team up with Hamadou Diallo and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Nerlens Noel is headed to the New York Knicks, where he will join Emmanuel Quickly, where he will join Kevin Knox, where he will join uh, Julius Randle, where he will join Kenny Payne. Take a breath. I can't even keep up with. Take I can't breath, even keep buddy. up with all this. It was one heck of a weekend, and for, we, we need to talk Kentucky. about how Kentucky fans might need to to follow the Houston Rockets bandwagon. I am Especially, officially a part of the. We got they Houston got boogie Rockets. now. They, they got are, boogie, and it's yes. very much looking like not necessarily to Houston, but it's very much looking like John Wall will be out of DC sometime soon. Did you see Zach today that during his Thanksgiving? give out where he you know mm-hmm. he goes out in the community hands out turkeys and and you know does what he, he can gave away 1000 hot meals today to the dc gave out a, so proud of him as always great you know the, the excited for him somebody asked him specifically about hey what about that trade request you had and he said no comment so this is a guy that is not shying away from the trade talk in the slightest this is a dude that is is uh, very much looking like he is going to be traded out of Washington if they find a viable suitor, which is even more of a question considering he has not played in 750 days or something. Is that what it is? Like that? Yeah. It's I, over I, two it's, years. I know that for sure. Yeah. Um, he. It's been a I long, long – yeah, I think so. It's been over two years since he's played a real life basketball game. He has mm-hmm. he's, he's coming off a torn a torn Achilles, a torn a, a injured heel of like mm-hmm. I don't remember even what that was. And then there was, was a it went wrong with the surgery. He had heel yes, surgery. It was an, infe- it went wrong. It was an, it was yeah. an infection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is a dude that is coming off an Achilles injury for a dude that relies solely on his athleticism and you know beating people off the dribble and running faster than everybody else on the court has one of the worst injuries somebody could have in a position of his. And he makes like $43 That's million the bit. That's the kicker right there. You know, we've, so, we've seen that no, no contract is untradeable, but you know that Washington's not going to get the return that they want for, for a while. The, let, let make no mistake about it. He is going to be, it's going to be a salary dump whatever it is, yeah. or it's going to be for Russell Westbrook straight up because the Those money works, and, that's li- yeah. and that's literally the only It'll reason be, why. And I guarantee that picks will be given to, uh, it will be a Houston. Hey, plenty. Hey, Houston, take John wall and two or three future first round picks. Give us Westbrook. Give us, give us Westbrook, even though 
Wall and Westbrook are probably comparable players at this point in both of their careers. I am not high on Russell Westbrook at all. I don't think that is a winning answer for Washington in the slightest, but I also don't think John Wall is a winning recipe for, for the Rockets either. I think it's, 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 I don't think it's going to, it's a trade that's not going to win anybody mm-hmm. over. It's not going to move mountains. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a trade. I, th- I think the it's idea behind it is, you know, like you're saying, Wall and Westbrook are comparable in the sense of, you know, where they, how they get their points. Um, wow, I already forgot what I was about to say. Sorry, I'll come back to that. Yeah, I, the, the intrigue there is that you will get Boogie matched up with, John Wall again, and they're very good friends. They're, you know, if this, this is obviously. They've wanted to play together in Washington before. They have wanted to play together for a long time. So this could push them in that direction, um, make them, you know, more excited about the possibility, push for the trade a little bit harder, knowing that they do have Boogie there. Maybe, hey, um, I know things aren't going right right now in Washington, but if you have the possibility of teaming up with your, you know, past teammate very good friend demarcus could you know could that right the ship a little bit could your career kind of be you know revamped refreshed you know what what can what can that match up or will it be what the nba kind of sees both of those players right now two broken individuals that aren't going to contribute to a contender i mean i think that that's a genuine question that they both have to answer is DeMarcus Cousins going to be the DeMarcus Cousins that we saw uh, in Sacramento or even the first year in, in New Orleans? Or is he going to be the one that we saw stumbling through uh, the NBA finals with the Golden State Torn Warriors quad. where he looked horrible? Yeah. It's it's a very serious it's concern. Weird. It's kind of weird how Wall and Cousins are in almost oddly similar situations in terms of not playing the last two years with just a series of weird random injuries. And now they're both being viewed as like dumpable players, like cousins probably signed for the veteran minimum and Washington is going to have to sell low on wall. So it's kind of weird how they, you know, they were all stars for several years and the injuries kind of screwed them over at the same time. uh, Back to a point that I was trying to make earlier. I just kind of remembered. So, with the 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 Westbrook and, and Wall swap, I would imagine that DC's or the the Washington front office their thought process is, well, we haven't we want to try the John Wall Bradley Beal combo, but we haven't really had a chance to do that over the last two years. We know that Westbrook and Wall are similar players. Westbrook is objectively a better player than John Wall, um, for no, no other reason than the fact that we know what Westbrook is as opposed to John Wall. So. Their thought press could be, well, if we get a slight upgrade with Wall, we know over with Wall in Westbrook, we know what we're getting there. Let's pair them with Bradley Beal and kind of actually run this experiment that we've been trying to do for the last two or three years now that we know that Bradley Beal is an all-star. So I think that would be their thought process there. And I think it personally could work in, if you're trying to shoot for like the seven seed in the East, which mm-hmm. for Washington – Wizards that seems to be their MO for the last decade and a half so yeah <laughs> that could be what they're going for and they also signed Davis Bertans to that massive deal so they've got Bertans Whoa. yeah they've got Bertans and Bradley Beal on long-term deals for a while I would and Westbrook I think only has one or two years left his I think Wall has three years Westbrook has two so you would that it would help in that area too that you don't have an extra 44 million dollars on the hook for a 33 year old John Wall, which would be just horrendous at that point. I mean, these Supermax deals, 
I hit or miss, man. Truly, you are. are. You either hit a home run or it ruins your franchise for the next ten years. I mean, there's, well, let's there's literally. The guys, no let's look at the guys that all got max contracts this year. So, Darren was the first. Then Bam got well. Bam got his like today, uh, but Donovan Mitchell, uh, Jason Tatum, and Pascal Siakam are all five of those guys on the same scale. Absolutely not. Jason Tatum right. is clearly the top guy there. Then you've got Darren Fox. Pascal Siakam, is he truly a max guy? Like, is he a guy you really want to dump all that money in for? I think you could probably kind of argue the same thing with Donovan Mitchell. Um, I think even honestly, if I wanted to be honest, you could you could probably argue that Darren Fox might not be worth that much money um, just in terms of how or, you know, where they could see him taking that team. A guy like Bam or Jason Tatum is a clear franchise changer. Um, but I, th- I think the De'Aaron Fox deal will end up being worth it. But then you've got, you know, a Nick Batum deal or maybe this potential Gordon Hayward deal, which is looking like Nick Batum 2.0. Shout out to your boy. Oh, uh, man. Hey, so, it was a rough weekend on that front. Not to switch uh, not to switch gears enough, but that was, that was a very uh, rough Saturday afternoon when I learned mm-hmm. that my man Gordo. Hey, props to him, though. 100, $120 million over it's four years. Money horrible deal that is something that michael jordan is going to be punching himself in the head for over uh you know these next couple years because they will not contend that is and i feel horrible because nick richards my my man is there pj washington's there malik monk is there khalil whitney who will never play a minute in the nba i would argue i I mean i hope so i mean that'd be great but um so people are kind of lumping him in with the charlotte hornets it's not as clear-cut as as some people are making out to be He's still going to have to do a lot to get even make that active roster. But yeah. in a group of former Kentucky players, a lot of likable Kentucky players, and PJ Washington, Nick Richards, and Malik Monk, especially, they're not going to be winning much. Let's mm-hmm. just put that out there. And it's and they're, I think they're a team that they're probably going to try and just gun for one of those low eight uh, East seeds too, because. I think the top five or six in the East are probably solidified. And then after that, you get into just a cluster of nonsense. And it could just be the case of who wins 42 games or 40 games gets the eighth seed as it can be in the, in, in the East. So with your, when you're Charlotte relevance is, I mean, what are, what are the odds that Charlotte's ever going to win an NBA title? Like, let's just be realistic about going, it. I mean, they're going to, this team is capable of, of, winning you know making the playoffs as the eight seed like you said i mean that I, i'm they're going to win technically enough more you know more than they paid for they, they paid they maxed themselves out reached the salary cap for an eight seed that's something that they said, Rozier, Gordon let's go Hayward. let's go all in on that eight seed and if that's what they're looking for just to put butts in seats when that day comes you know for the playoffs and you know make some extra money whatever i don't i mean good good for them but that is i meant in terms of winning winning that yeah. is that is a team that will never titles while yeah while they are in this current spot i'd argue while michael jordan is the president of the team or, you know, I, yeah. as long as, as long as he has they're, the role that he has right now, he, they are not going to be winning anything. There are franchises that are just going to forever be plagued by bad ownership. Some of those teams include my Cleveland Cavaliers. We just got lucky by having the greatest basketball player of all time drafted and growing up two minutes away from the arena. But then, you, you know, the Knicks Hornets, you're just, it doesn't matter where or how, even the wizards, you could almost say it's yeah. just those teams. They just don't, Bad ownership can never 
Sacramento Kings being another. Yeah, bad ownership can never counteract good uh, front office work. It seems and yeah. over over history. But speaking of the Knicks, actually, they might be a potentially new. We kind of prefaced it earlier. It could be a new uh, Kentucky team. We need to keep our eyes on there I mean, with all those, have, all those connections. I mean, we have Emmanuel. Even quickly. if they're not good. So I talked to somebody um, very connected with the NBA scene. G, more on the G League side that that is very, very well aware of NBA draft standings and talking to these scouts and knowing who is going where. And when Emmanuel quickly had not yet um, – he had not yet declared for the draft, but he was flirting with it. It was, a, it was around the time where everybody was like, is he a guy that you really want that, that really thinks that he could – you know, be a first round pick, you know, is he a guy that is going to get drafted? And I talked to some, I talked to this individual during that process and he kind of told me flat out, he was like, dude, he got, he's going first round. He got a first round promise. He's going to the league. And I was like, no, he didn't. What are you talking about? Like, that's, yeah, that's not, that's not, he's like, it's like, no, he's already decided he's going pro. Like he's, he's done. I mean, he got a promise. He's not, he's not pulling he's not going back to Kentucky and that was when I was kind of like oh that sucks but (laughs) and then he ended up and then he ended up like declaring for the draft like a day later two days later it was it was very soon afterwards so and all the box had him in the yeah so when when that news broke that's when I was like ah this dude knows what he's talking what he's talking about and that's why every chance I've had on podcasts or whatever and and it, it kind of threw me off a little bit in, in the last couple weeks when every single mock draft had him in the mid to late second round. I was like, all right, well maybe, maybe things changed and, you know, they offered him a promise to get him out of the, get him out of Kentucky. And then they're like, all right, well, we'll see how it goes from there. But it's very clear that, um, that the, that I don't know if it was the Knicks that promised him, but they, that love actually, occurred because he was drafted in the first round and kind of a surprise for everybody, man, but he's going to a crappy franchise as a whole, just in terms of winning and, you know, ownership all, all, and ownership and all that stuff. But it's, you can ask for a whole lot worse than Kenny Payne as your go-to assistant and teaming up with, you know, Kevin Knox and Nerlens Noel and Julius Randall. So I'm very excited for him. And I think he's going to, I think he's going to kill it there. I'm very excited about that. So then do you think that Kenny Payne gave him the promise? I, well, this was before, I mean, this was before Kenny Payne even left, left Kentucky. And this was back when he was back when he was deciding whether or not he was going to pull his name out and put his name in the draft or pull out after he was, you know, wondering about going to an agent or whatever. So I don't know if he got a promise from them, but I think I, I was on some Knicks podcast and they were, you know, right after Kenny Payne got hired and they asked specifically, do you think that this is going to affect the draft and, you know, how things work out? And I was like, duh. <laughs> <laughs> Kenny yeah. Payne is not going to look at He's Emmanuel quickly. He had or if Nick Richards had gone undrafted or whatever the case was, you're telling me that he wouldn't have taken – that he wouldn't have gone out of his way to sign Nick as an undrafted free agent? Like, yeah, Nick is his dude. Like, I mean, I know the draft didn't work out the way it was. It's a little bit too early – for you know what it, it didn't work out for them to take two Kentucky guys and once they kind of got the Kentucky flavor with Emmanuel quickly out of the way they didn't really need to get another but they if if it had gotten to that point 
there's no way Kenny Payne would have passed on that opportunity to mm. to talk his way into getting Nick Richards. And I, I think we were, you and I were both shocked to see the Miami Heat not pick Tyrese at number 20. Shocking. When, I mean, because when I think I, it was the Magic had 19 and they didn't pick him, we were like, okay, well, this is obvious now. They are going to take him because all about yeah. Tyler Hero even tweeted uh, right before the pick yeah. that he was like, Kentucky, or like, I'm feeling Kentucky, yeah. or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and then they ended up taking, uh, I don't remember who they picked, but. They, they took Precious Achua. Yeah, the, the the Memphis kid. So I can only imagine that the Sixers, right after that, they were like, are you serious? Like, we'll we'll take him immediately. I would bet you that the Sixers did not anticipate Maxie being there. And when he when they saw that he was there, they snatched him up quick. Well, they said, I think uh, Daryl Morey even said, they like they did a, the, the typical post-draft press conference with him and they asked they were like so what do you think about Tyrese Maxey's fall and you know what makes you so confident that he's the pick for you guys and he was like you guys are paying way too close attention to his weaknesses and not how good of a basketball player he is same thing that they said about Tyler Hero the worst oh. thing about Maxey has always been that he shot 31 percent or whatever it was at 29 at UK it's like yeah who cares if yeah. he shot and this guy can, argue, he can i would promise you he'll have a 35 percent three-point shooting season in the nba he just has a shot yeah. like that yeah he's i mean he's he's going to improve his shooting he's going to end up being okay on that front and he does everything else they, they even said they were like we can work with shooting we hope that he ends up you know in you know we we want him to improve from shooting you know with the shooting obviously but he was like but if you look at the – I think he even said, if you look at the total package of who he is as a basketball player, defensively, his length, his size, his – Effort and mindset ability, are really important his, for him. His ability to finish at the rim, his – I mean, and that's like ability to finish at the rim. He is one of the best finishers that, that this draft even – that this draft had. And when you look, go down the list of strengths, I mean, it was like boom, 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 boom. And then it was like weakness – 29% kind of, from three. Kind of funky shooting form and 29% from three. That's it. Yeah. I, you, you, can't t- you can't tell me another weakness that Tyrese Maxey has. And so. even the shot looked fine when he did his little clutch pro day. It looked like he'd kind of been working on it for sure. So that's one of those things that, like you said, you can fix shooting. There's like the things that you can't fix are effort, uh, how you, you know, intensity, and he's got all those things that are – and he, like you said, he's already good enough that when you put those two things together, he's going to be a fine player, even if he doesn't necessarily adopt, um, you know, a, become a 38% shooter from three. He doesn't have to be that level to be that good. If he is that, if he does shoot 38% from three, we're probably talking, you know, starting point guard role for a long time. Yeah. If he, if he gets so, that far. And he's going to be playing for a contender. He's going to, you know, from day one, he's not going to be in the under Ben Simmons the, it, defensive. Not God. Yeah, yeah. He's not going to be in the pits of hell of you know Charlotte or Sacramento or fill in the blank. I mean, he's going to a place where where he can he can make have a big role and he can win from day one. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I I just I mean, it's just a massive massive win on his part, and I think it's a massive win on the on Philly's part. I mean, I think they're they're lucky. Yeah. I thought it was a great pick. Yeah, the draft, the draft wasn't as uh, as unexpected as I thought it would be. Yeah, yeah, I thought I was expecting way more trades. I was, yeah, yeah it was. I mean, I've been kind of crazy. The last four days have still just been littered with 
nonsense news. So I guess I shouldn't be, you know, talk too down on it, but I was yeah. expecting James Wiseman to get traded or something, but yeah. Or yeah, but it's all the right. Clay Thompson we, news kind of screwed things up. I definitely think that played a part into whatever they were going to. Yeah. That, that changed from, all right, we're not in win now mode. We're in let's, let's do what we can to draft get a guy. And let's, let's, let's set up the next generation. Let's set up the next era a little bit. I think that's what yeah. they kind of did, you know, getting Kelly Oubre, big fan of him, not to dive off into Kansas basketball talk, but yeah, I kind of like what the Warriors did. Successful last several days with the NBA and we're grateful mm-hmm. for it. Yep. Well, all right. Let's, uh, um, season I'm starts very, tomorrow, man. Season starts tomorrow. Um, all right. Final score prediction for tomorrow. All right. So I'll give you an actual final score. We'll just say 78 to 52. They'd be, cover, be covering the spread. I, I think we're going to go, I think we're going to be underwhelming a little bit scoring. They're going to, you know, miss a lot of shots. So I think we're going to, it's going to be something like, we're gonna go a strong 70 it's gonna be 70 to 49 70 49 final and i'll pick the women to win by 30 plus against murray i i agree all right well this has been a lot of fun zach uh we got one more one more thing what is it thanksgiving oh that's right we got it we got it right we got to end this we'll do we'll do a quick little five minutes also i wanted to you need to brag about your ps5 Oh yeah, that's uh, how did I'm, you? How did she get one? How did that even? Did I've she been steal trying. It? I've been trying for like two full weeks. It has been very, very difficult for. Sounds like you're having uh, a baby. Yeah, it's it's been it's been very rough. But I finally pulled through. GameStop pulled through for me. Um, I got a big old bundle deal, and it's fantastic. And I've been playing it nonstop since then. And I'm just so so grateful. Uh, on in a in a season of of giving thanks, that's what I'm thankful for. All right, favorite Thanksgiving side? Dressing, by far. Not even close. Dressing, okay. Dressing is the absolute best. The absolute that's, that's worst. stuffing, right? It Steak. depends on where. It, yeah, it's the same same stuff. Um, the absolute same worst stuffing. Is, 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 is anything uh, with cranberries, garbage. Ooh, yeah. Anything gar- anything mm-hmm. cranberry-y is, va- is absolute trash. What about like the um, mint? Don't they have like mint jelly sometimes? I can't ever do. Have you ever had that? That mint sounds jelly? horrible. No. Oh. That's no. that was something that we, I feel like we had at my Thanksgiving's growing up was mint jelly. Didn't like it ever. It was disgusting. They put it on turkey. I think it's gross. Yeah. And it's literally so, what it sounds like, mint jelly. Yeah, I'm good. That I would be my it. least favorite. I think well, stuffing, I, I call it stuffing. Stuffing is my favorite. Has to be. Same same thing. Depends on where you're from. Even though if you say one thing, the other side thinks you're the biggest idiot in the world for saying right. it. So Like you hillbilly. Yeah. So don't, don't just say, oh yeah, you know, the, the bready substance oh you're talking about stuffing yeah that one. Oh, you're one. talking about dressing oh yeah that's that's what i like so just play to your audience for whatever your thanksgiving festivities are for these next couple days well this is a lot of fun zach Show i appreciate appreciate your company and uh we will be back for another you know when uh, i don't even know when we're gonna do you want to do another one friday after the first run of games or yeah, Sunday after sh- the second game or how do you want to do this hmm We'll play it by ear, but I think Friday would probably be our best option just so we can do a little post-game preview, pre-game preview for Wednesday, Sunday's games. Well, I look forward to that. I look forward to a good little Kentucky basketball victory to get the season off right in both uh, men's and women's team. Uh, Before we go, where can fans find your work? 
They can find me at KentuckySportsRadio.com or on Twitter at ZGagan, KSR. Gagan is G-E-O-G-H-E-G-A-N, the triple G. Where can they find you, Jack? You can find me on Twitter at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Uh, find my work on KentuckySportsRadio.com. It's a good one. And uh, we'll be back after this first run of games, and hopefully we have a lot to celebrate. Later, folks. Look, look at his face.